May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts be always acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. In ancient Israel, there were these group of men who were super strict, uber-religious people, and they were called Pharisees. Sometimes in the church, Pharisees get sort of bad press. You know, they're spoken of sort of derisively. But they shouldn't be. They were very scrupulous people. They were very devout religious people, serious about their religion. They went to synagogue every week. Um, They prayed every day. They kept the Ten Commandments without fail. Um, They kept a kosher diet as required by um, Jewish law. They were strict, devoted, religious people. And when Jesus came along, these fellows called Pharisees were very curious about him. Um, He was, after all, like them, a very religious person, too. He spoke about God and God's kingdom. He talked to people about how to live in this world and to be prepared for the next. Jesus also went to synagogue like they did and presumably kept a kosher diet as well. But there was something about him that really troubled these Pharisee folks. Um, He seemed to flaunt conventional norms in places where you wouldn't expect it. The most bizarre sort of places he would kind of break the rules. He didn't keep them quite the way that he should. He rejected the sort of orthodox expectations. He was, um, he was a bit of a rule breaker. What angered the Pharisees um, quite a bit was the way that he broke the law about the Sabbath. Um, in, in Jewish law on Saturdays, um, people were not allowed to work or to do any type of labor. In fact, there was only a, a requisite number of steps you could take before you had to sit down and wait for the end of the day to go because you would exhaust the number of of steps that you could take going throughout the day. But Jesus healed, and he harvested, and he worked miracles on the Sabbath. And this really kind of got under the skin of the Pharisees. His his Sabbath-breaking was bad. But as bad as it was, it wasn't the worst of what bothered the Pharisees. There was something that they actually were more troubled by with Jesus than his rule-breaking regarding the Sabbath. You see, in his world, in the ancient world, as with ours, um, people are often judged by the company they keep. You know that yourself. Um, you tell your friends and children and neighbors, you know, you be careful hanging out around them because, you know, people are going to give you a bad reputation. They're going to say bad things about you. But in Jesus' world, in the world of the first century, keeping company with unsavory people wasn't just a bad reputation. It actually undercut your various religious devotion. That they could actually contaminate you by their presence. So Jesus is a religious person, keeps all these rules, but he breaks these rules about Sabbath. And he also breaks the idea of hanging around the wrong people. The, the pharisaical idea that one rotten apple will spoil the whole bunch seems to go beyond Jesus' pale of, of observance. He frustrates their sensibilities because he hangs around all the wrong people. They're not only your garden variety you know, miscreants and bad people, but they're, they're also people like tax collectors and prostitutes. Tax collectors were the worst people of all. The Pharisees would have thought the tax collector was the worst type of sinner because he was someone who actually worked for the Roman government against his own countrymen, the Jews. And he would extort large amounts of money away from them to make himself rich. So he was sort of a traitor to to country and to, to just basic decency. And here it is, Jesus hanging out with tax collectors and prostitutes, thieves, and common drunks. And as he sits down to tell a story... 
you would expect that maybe his friends would kind of think this is inappropriate. These people shouldn't be here. And, and Jesus would say to them things like, move over, make room for our guests. And the Pharisees just couldn't bear this. They just could not understand why he wouldn't just tell them to go away. It's a long sort of interlude into this passage that was in the gospel reading just a moment ago that Father Lawrence read. This is the context with which these stories are told. Don't bother looking at it. Just listen to me read it to you again. This is the beginning of St. Luke's uh, chapter 15. Now all the tax collectors and sinners, you hear it, did you hear it now, that jump out in your ear, the tax collectors and sinners were coming near to listen to Jesus. And the Pharisees and scribes were grumbling. They were complaining. They were speaking under clenched teeth. This fellow welcomes sinners. And worst of all, he eats with them. He associates with them as 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 people that, that are valuable and on the same level. It's in response to this grumbling and complaining that we get three stories. They're famous stories. Luke alone tells these three stories. A lost sheep, a lost coin, and a lost son. Two of them are in our reading today. Each carries the same motif, doesn't it? Something important is lost and someone's off to find it. But they also have this other point to him. They also carry this note of urgency. The one who's looking is searching diligently, passionately, earnestly to find that which is lost. Almost panicked, pulling out all the stops to find that which is lost. The first story makes a lot of sense, I think, in an agrarian society. Where, you know, everybody kept chickens and sheep and whatever else. You know, they all had these animals around. This was part of the way that people lived. And a sheep has wandered away. And everybody would have said, oh yeah, of course, we know that when the sheep wanders away. Listen to what he says. Jesus tells this parable. Which one of you, having a hundred sheep and loses one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness and go after that one that is lost until he finds it? Sheep wander. What do you do? You go get that sheep. That's your job. That's the thing that you do. So that you can imagine the owner of some sheep. He's got a hundred sheep and he calls his sons, you know. You, boys, watch these sheep. I'm going and I'm going to find this wandering one. And you can always imagine the shepherd, you know, going through the wilderness, going through the, the, uh, the forest, going through the hills of, of the Judean country and calling out for his sheep, calling it by name. I mean, I'm sure, or little sheep, little lamb, whatever you would do. You, you call, you look, and you listen. You're finding it. And he knows he has to hurry. A shepherd has to hurry if he has a lost sheep. Because this sheep is vulnerable. It's vulnerable to wolves and lions and all sorts of other predators. So he knows that he has to find this little lamb and find it quickly. He's desperate. seeking to find it. Which one of you doesn't leave the 99? Why? Why would you leave 99 and go after one? Because everyone is valuable. Everyone is precious. And so he leaves them and searches after this one that is made. And when he finds it, don't you love this story? When he finds the lamb, what does he do? He doesn't like, you know, scold it, you naughty little lamb, you know. How dare you run off. He doesn't get a rolled up newspaper, you know, whack it on the nose. He takes this little lamb and he throws it over his shoulders. And he comes home singing, rejoicing. This little lamb that was lost has been found. The second story is 
pretty much the same story, right? You have a woman who has 10 coins and she loses one. And some of us say, you know, 10%, it's a tough deal, but, you know, get over it. You still have nine left. No, it's important to her. In a peasant society, uh, even a little bit could mean the difference between starving and living. But more than that, in the ancient world, when a woman was married, she would take 10 coins and she would lace them around her head in a, in a, a part of her veil. It was like a wedding ring. Which of you lost your engagement ring or your wedding ring? You wouldn't tear the house apart to find it. Searching diligently. And this is what Jesus says, right? She, she lights a lamp. She's sweeping. She's looking down between the cracks of the floor. She has to find this. Stays up late into the night. And then she finds it. And what happens when she finds it? She rejoices. You can see it. You know, she clutches it to her chest. <gasps> Breathes the sigh of all sighs. I found it. It was lost and now it's gone. And now it's found. You each have lost something sometime. And you know what it felt like when you found it. It's here. And Jesus says, in answer to the question, why do you hang around these people? Because they're valuable. They matter to God. And there's so much rejoicing in heaven when just one of them repents. Now, these aren't stories about coins or sheep, are they? They're stories about people and why people matter. And that all people matter to God. Not just some, but all of them. Not just the 99, not satisfied with that, all 100. Not just 9 coins, all 10 coins. Not just one son, the good son, both sons. Even the, the prodigal, he too, equally loved and wanted. Sometimes people give up on one another. You know, they say, ah, fooey. He's just not worth it. Or she's just not worth the trouble. Sometimes we even give up on ourselves. You know, oh, my. Such a knucklehead. I'm never going to make it. This passage says that God doesn't give up on any of us. That he pursues us and chases us and comes after us. Zita was to many things, to many people. Um, she was first a daughter to parents, and then a wife to a husband, and a mother to children, and a grandmother to grandchildren. Maybe she was a, um, a friend along the way and a confidant to some. Um, a sister, a, a homemaker, a cook. We heard about uh, baking and all this good stuff. A gardener, a seamstress. All these great talents. She was to herself an individual, you know, with her own opinions firmly held. Um, her own sense of humor, all of those sorts of things. But I want to tell you what she ultimately was. And that was she was a child of God. Loved and pursued and chased and wanted. A person for whom Christ came to seek and to save. The Pharisees were disgusted at Jesus. Why would you hang out with sinners? Because they're valuable to God. That's why. I know I'm so glad that he did that. And I believe you are as well. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit.